You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, the boys invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife, James Hardigan. And I can reveal, dear listener, that Joe Stapleton still looks like shit, however not as shit as he looked last week. Yes, I'm on my way back up. I'll be I'll be less shit-like, hopefully, uh, by next week. Although, uh, I'm home for uh, a whole almost week. Oh, yeah. dude. Today is Wednesday. Monday, I'm headed back out of town again. More on that later on. A working uh, Joe's I, day is never done. Yeah, no, it's not. If only, if only I'd just gotten a real job, I wouldn't have had to work so hard. Uh, I have been busy since we last talked, of course, my babies. We closed out uh, the Triton series. We attended the wedding of Daniel Negreanu and Amanda Negreanu. <laughs> it's going to be weird to say. Uh, and how did I celebrate my four weeks of hell? I went to Disneyland. Nice. Yeah, I did. I did have a uh, more on that later, too, if I get the chance. Uh, on today's show, we will be closing out Triton Montenegro, including speaking to our, our very special guest, a guy who was playing 1-1 in Manchester as little as two years ago. Uh, that's one pound, one pound, guys. Now he's playing in super high rollers at Triton with much success. Danny Tang will be on the show today. To, we'll learn a little bit more about him, and he will uh, play one of my stupid games. Of course, we will recap the poker wedding of the century. Uh, we got the scoop on scoop, obviously. The story so far from the biggest online series of the year. And uh, we've got a super fan, of course. This week it's Noah Asher. He is from Florida, and he's picked a poker-related subject. Well, it's a movie with a poker scene. I love you, man. From two thousand and nine. Oh man, I've got some I've got some choice words about this movie, but we'll wait till later on in the show. Now, I have not been anywhere near as busy as you have, Joe, but I did get to have a night out last week. Uh, I got to go to the Right to Play sports quiz, as you know. Right to Play has been partnered with Stars Group now for a few years, and they have this charity sports quiz every single year, and I got to go, and somehow the team I was on almost won, despite my sporting knowledge being practically zero because they had this amazing mechanic for running the quiz which ensures a there's a lot of multiple choice questions which means guesswork is a thing but also it was a system that eradicated the thing that blights all pub quizzes and sports quizzes now the smartphone because you go to these quizzes and everyone's looking everything up people are under the table checking answers and it's just no fun anymore so this was a bit high tech, but every team, every table had this little keypad, looked like a calculator. So when they ask the question, and they're either multiple choice or numerical answer, so a number or a year, and you yeah. then have 10 or 15 seconds to enter your numerical answer, and it goes through to the computer, which registers your answer. You don't have time to be looking stuff up on the internet. And as I said, the fact you've got that multiple choice element means that there's an element of chance. But where I was beneficial to the team is there were quite a few questions about what year did this happen? And it was a combination of sporting events. But in every year, there was always a movie poster. And if there's one thing I can nail, it's the release year of movies. And that's where I was able to bring my film knowledge to a sports quiz that helped our team but to be fair we also had a lot of people at our table who were genuine sports fans who knew their shit and i think we ended up finishing third or fourth out of 35 teams so wow uh, it was it was a fun night really fun night and was there a prize for third or fourth 
Uh, no, only only a prize for the winning team. But Fucking top-heavy tournaments. I hate that I shit. I know, I know. But the most important thing of all is that more than a quarter of a million quid was raised for right to play. And that's why you wow. go to these things. Nice. I wanted to just talk about Disneyland real quick. Um, did you uh, Have you ever taken your, your child to any of these? I have only been to Disneyland once. Uh, when I was 15 years old, and I've not been back since, so I have never had the chance to go with the family. Well, I lived in uh, Southern California for about 17 years, and it was my first time really going to Disneyland. I went one other time. I, I didn't even go on any rides. I was there like to just sort of walk around with people, but uh, I think it would take me about as long to go back. Um, it was it was fine. Like it wasn't bad, but it was just exhausting, and I didn't yeah. get the same. I'm, I'm. It's awesome seeing all the kids there, just really loving it and getting into things. But for me, it just didn't really do it. I'll say one thing: as you probably heard about this already, is so they've got this new Star Wars section of the park that's opening up, like I think in a week or so. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it's just supposed to be an absolute madhouse, like it, just not fun crowds. But they had a couple of years ago changed space mountain into hyperspace mountain and it's star wars themed and so as you're flying around the inside of space mountain instead of it just being totally dark there's sort of like images from the movies like a space battles happening around you and i will say that was very very fun but i don't see myself going back to disneyland anytime soon well, fortunately, this will be the last time on this podcast that we talk about Game of Thrones because, thank <laughs> fuck, it's finally over. And I promise, really is that how you feel about it? I, I just feel it's been such a disappointment the way they've closed it out. And yes, I know endings are hard, but I still think that with the lack of the books and with them wanting to move on to other projects, they've botched the ending completely. And in this final episode, and here we go, spoilers, people. Um, <laughs> this, in microcosm, exemplified everything that's been wrong with the last one and a half seasons it was the jump in time when has this show ever done that where we go from Jon Snow killing Danny to literally cut and it's now several months later the weather's changed the sun's in the air and all of the lords of Westeros have come together that would have been half a season back in the day as news spreads of what John's done as the unsullied consider killing him on the spot but no realize that's going to invite war with the north and we see people making their way towards the city and we see Lord Edmure leave River Run before he arrives and that was the highlight of the show by the way the point when he stood up and decided to put forward his nomination to be king and Sansa just says uncle sit down I actually thought that so it's funny because overall I didn't have an issue with it, but I thought the few moments of comic relief were really out of place. I thought that the the broad master of coin uh, scene where they were all like yucking it up over. But do you not how think much... that humor used to be an important part of the show and it's become a little too po faced in recent seasons? I guess I just didn't feel like the last five minutes of the final episode was the place for like a bunch of like da 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 da. I think we can all agree that the shittest thing about the finale was when Sam brings out the book. Hey everyone, <laughs> here's a here's a here's a history of Westeros called A Song of Fire and Ice. It's like, oh god, really? Are they doing this? Are they really going there? I I didn't hate it, but I also think that they chose a very bizarre color scheme for the book that <laughs> oh, made it look very prop that's like your it issue looked like a the prop. color scheme of the book not the fact that it's a postmodern gag that's so far up its own ass it's practically coming out of its throat 
No, it did. I was fine. I also, I actually really liked her writing in the book about Jamie. Also, like I, I really liked that. Yeah, my- that that scene didn't bother me. Um, I found myself agreeing with Jess Wellman, something I don't often find myself doing uh, yeah. in anything relating to TV or movies. But I thought that the shot where the dragon flies behind Daenerys and it looks like she's got wings and she looks like Maleficent in Sleeping Beauty. I thought that was naff as hell. And it was how- perfectly, it was so standard and so not at all. It was like, I felt bad because my girlfriend was like, oh, it's so cool. And I was like, no, this is like a dumb person's idea of something that's cool. Absolutely. <laughs> also, how is it a great shot when the entire thing is constructed in a computer anyway? Because guess what, people? The dragons aren't fucking real. Right. They don't have to do that. I, I thought a couple a couple things about it bothered me. Um, it made the whole Jon Snow plotline not really make any sense and be completely useless. Yeah. Um, for him to be then banished to the north or whatever. And the only thing where I thought it kind of worked <clears throat> is that Maester Aemon thought he was the last living Targaryen, who was the guy up up at uh, Castle Black back in the day. And I guess yeah. now, genuinely, the last living Targaryen is following in his fate. But, I mean, is it meant to be like a, a, an in-joke that there is no need for a Night's Watch anymore? Has someone forgotten to decommission it? Yeah, I don't know if, that, if that's like a wink-wink, like, he'll be serving 75 years hard time at this place that doesn't really have a thing anymore because... Th- I thought it was just a comment on that's what happens in society that we forget about these things and really there's no need for it anymore but but someone didn't get the memo that we need to shut this down. But originally the Night's Watch wasn't to wasn't to protect them from the dead it was to protect them from the wildlings, right? I thought it was more about the uh watching out for the the Night King. No. That's why I the, think that's why no, the wall was built. The wall was built to no, keep out the army of the dead, not to keep out the wildlings. But why did no one believe that the Army of the Dead was real? Well, someone did because they built the fucking wall. Uh, I was pretty sure the whole thing was about, like, subjugating the wild. Well, I'll tell you what, Joe, this is a perfect opportunity for every (laughs) nerd who's read the books and the Wikipedia pages to hit us up, hashtag poker in the ears, (laughs) and tell us what the job of the Night's Watch was and whether there is any point in having it anymore. Uh, Anyway, one final Game of Thrones related thing which segues beautifully into our next segment of the show is that someone called Daenerys T may not have won the Iron Throne but they did win a scoop (laughs) what's going on in poker today now it is time for poker in the years news which is dominated by the Spring Championship of Online Poker 2019 because Scoop continues and concludes this coming weekend with the main event. Remember, high, medium, and low buy-ins across the board, including for the main event on Sunday. Uh, I do advise you, by the way, to check out the daily updates on the PokerStars blog. Plus, you may have seen we put out a weekly video update. It was posted on Twitter on Monday, including some great clips of Spraggy. There have been some awesome moments of Spraggy on Twitch over the last few days. And in fact, Joe, did I see you were watching Spraggy on Twitch yesterday? I did. Spraggy made day two, and I, I tuned in when there were about uh, 14 players left, and Spraggy was one of the shorter stacks. And at 12 players to go, he lost a huge flip and was left with half a big blind and managed to work his way back from half a big blind uh, to the actual final table bubble. Ten players left. And... Uh, he got it in ace-queen against king-queen against the chip leader, and the guy hit a king on the turn, and Spraggy just 
like didn't react at all, just covered his face with it with his hands like this and sat there motionless for so long. It wasn't even like a good clippable twitchable moment. It was just like genuine. I felt horrible like that. He had over 6,000 people watching at the time, maybe as many as 8,000. I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. Huge audience. Um, and yeah, he, he went out there, uh, right on the final table bubble, which was brutal watch, but man, it was so close to a chip in a chair situation. So just to be clear, Spraggy did not win a scoop. He did not, not yet. He's dead to me and he doesn't feature in this next section of the podcast then, because we are going to highlight now (laughs) the notable names who have won scoop events in the last 10 days. Uh, winners to highlight include Christopher Frank, Kenny Hallett. Uh, Jao Vieira, who's won two scoop titles in the space of a week. Holy shit. Uh, Dario Samartino, who took down the uh, high six plus event, a.k.a. short deck. Um, online crushes like Sweden's Lena 900, who had an amazing W Coupe last year, won the Omaha High Low event. Online legend Ben CB789, regarded by many to be the best MTT player online, uh, won scoop 69. He, 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 was, uh, he was in that Spraggy one. I wonder if that's the event. The oh, 69 high it may have been and Benny Glazer uh, who won scoop 13 medium which was the fixed limit deuce to seven triple draw event but one of my favorite stories Joe of scoop so far concerns a Canadian player called I'm the best 514 who satellited into a scoop for one dollar and ten cents this Holy was shit. the no limit Omaha eight or better event the low buying event Satellite it in for one dollar ten cents and took it down for seven thousand three hundred and fifty dollars. That's pretty good. Seventy three hundred times your buy-in. Uh, Not bad. So at the time of recording, roughly one hundred and twenty events have been played. There have been more than six hundred thousand players <laughs> so far, and fifty-one million dollars in prize money has been accrued so far. And as far as the scoop leaderboard is concerned, it's Konstantin Maslak who plays as Krakukra online who is topping release the, the Krakakra more than a hundred points clear of the player in second Jao Vieira who we just referenced won two scoop titles so far and Sean Deeb who always has a phenomenal scoop currently sits in third he has a phenomenal he's good at leaderboards in general yeah that's Sean Deeb so uh, what can, happened in Montenegro I don't I don't really remember I'll say this at first, I was kind of disappointed. I was going to miss two days of work for Daniel's wedding. I think we talked about this already. Yes. By the time, by the time I left, I was not that worried about it. And the day I left, I felt bad leaving like Randy and and Dave Tuckman to do all the commentary without me. And then they saw that they added two more events after I left, and I was like, "See ya, fuckers! <laughs> I'll tell the, I'll tell the world your story." Like, I did not feel bad at all. Um, I know that Jungle Man won the last event. I couldn't even bear to look up the results, honestly. Jungle Man, they added a mix. The first time anyone's ever run a No Limit Hold'em short deck mix event. Okay. And Jungle Man won that. But the night before I left, I got to do something really cool. I don't know if you saw the video, James. I know you don't have the same social media that I do. Basically... Triton had set up a beer pong tournament uh, for what was ended up being my last night, luckily, because otherwise I wouldn't have got to go. And they had various poker players take each other on. And so me and Pete Latham were trying to get some video content out of it. So we took on Sam Greenwood and Mike Watson, which is very fun. Just pro tip. 
don't play against Canadians at beer pong. They're very good at it. They've had little else to do in their freezing existences. But as we're about to close things up, we notice that from a distance that Durr and Jungle Man had been off to the side talking for a really long time. Wow. These two have history. They have history, exactly. And from what I understand is they were supposed to be discussing that history. The continuation of the infamous Durr Challenge 2? I don't know about a continuation, but at least a settling, at least a, hey. And what happened was, I I don't know what happened, so I can't tell you if that was discussed, what was discussed, but I will say... They came over and played beer pong as a team against me and Pete. Ah, oh, for a moment I thought you were going to say they played beer pong for all the money. That's how they were going to sort this out. That would have been amazing. Screw I'm sorry. Pot Limit Omaha. Screw No Limit Hold'em. Beer pong is how the Dur Challenge will finally be resolved eight years later. One game of beer pong, one hundred thousand dollars per cup, ten cups. Let's do this. Um, but it was a thrill. You know that. I'm sort of numb to the whole poker scene at this point, and I don't get the same fanboy reactions to things, but I was staying there across the table being like, man, I'm playing beer pong right now against Durr and Jungle Man, two of the most talked about, most reclusive poker players in the world, and they've seemed to have buried the hatchet, whatever it is. Like, this is history. This is beer pong history, everyone. So that was very cool. And then eventually... Uh, a fellow named Danny Tang came and sidled up, and I was able to lock up this interview. Yes, it was great to have Marley Cordero on the line from uh, Montenegro last week. And this week, we get to talk to someone who actually played in the Triton events. I think this is someone we've both done commentary on, Joe, because he was in EPT Barcelona last year and made a deep run in that event. So we should talk to him about that as well. Without further ado, let's welcome to Poker in the Ears, Mr. Danny Tang. Hi, Danny. Hi, man. What's up, guys? Dude, what's up? Where are you right now? I'm currently in Macau. You're in Macau. So is that it? Did we lose you? Are you just in the in the fucking the Asia high roller baller lifestyle now? Are you gone? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm I'm like pretty much based in Macau and Hong Kong these days. You know, grinding the cash games when we're not on tour. You gotta. I guess we'll just get right into it here. You gotta explain something to me. So you're you're there at the Triton event, and I'm like, I recognize that guy. I don't recognize his name i think his name is danny is what i usually call him uh but then we start getting people and i was like i didn't realize danny was such a baller i didn't realize danny was a super high roller and then people start tweeting in and they're like yeah i used to play one two and one one with danny like a year ago in manchester so can you just uh explain yourself and what's what's been going on i don't think a year ago was true but uh, maybe it was the time where I went back just to play at my local casino because I don't. I, I used to live in Manchester, so I was playing at the local casino called G Casino and Two Three Five Casino, um, like low stakes, like one pound, one pound, one pound, two pound. But that was maybe four years ago. So I think a year ago was just me going back visiting and just playing for fun. So a year ago was a lie. Even <laughs> even still, four years is a long time. Sorry, is not a long time to have uh, come all that way. So I guess just sort of take us through, um, even start before that, how you got into poker and then what that four-year journey has been from 1-1 in Manchester to living in Macau. Uh, So roughly around four to five 
years ago, I picked up poker when I was in university. Um, you know, you know, in the UK, there's not a lot to do, right? It's either playing sports, going to bars, going to clubs, or you're in a casino. And then I was playing, you know, doing my degenerate things, playing the roulette, the blackjack, or whatever, with my pocket money, which I lost more than maybe what I could have afforded. And then I realized, oh, now I've got money again. Let's go back to the casino. End up at a poker table, and I realize I lose at a much slower rate. <laughs> and it's familiar. <laughs> yeah, instead of like, you know, where blackjack roulette, you could be gone within, you know, a few hands where there's poker. Unless you have cards, I'm not, you know, at the time I already knew two seven off was a hand you do not play, you know. It didn't look pretty at the at the at the very early stage of my career already already. Um so yeah, uh, and it was very familiar with like, you know, the the gambling uh, like poker kind of films where I used to watch when I was younger. So very quickly I was hooked to the game. Uh, then I watched those poker after dark videos, the early EPT videos, and just got more and more into it where I was literally skipping classes. I would just end up at a casino nonstop. I was that bad, right? I turned up to my final year exam without a pen. I had to ask my friend who happened to... I still remember her name, Natalia Tasca. You know, I'm Danny T, right? So Tang Tasca, so it makes sense for her to sit in front of me, an example. And I had to ask for a pen. And that's how bad it was. <laughs> I just kept playing and playing and then slowly moving up. I remember going to EPT Barcelona. It was my first... Oh, wait, was it my first EPT? Maybe it was my second. I went to EPT Dublin too. But then, yeah, EPT Barcelona is where you know, um, poker really, it, it just opened my eyes a little, little bit. I, I had a mini score. I got lucky. I won like 30K and then I decided to go to Barcelona with basically no money still at the time. And then I remember walking in that corridor into the main poker room and then the cameras was like flashing and flashing in front of me. I was thinking, what? 30K score. And I didn't even win the tournament. I keep second. People can't be taking photos of me in EPT. And I got really excited, but I turned around, ah, that makes sense. PK, Neymar, and <laughs> Oli Shin was walking right behind me. That makes sense. And I just, at the time, I was thinking, oh, I got to do this for a living, man. This is super cool. And that's it. When you saw those cameras flashing, realized they weren't for you, is that something that you want? Uh, I'm not going to lie. I do enjoy the fame as well as the accomplishments and et cetera, et cetera, that poker brings. So uh, James, I don't know if you saw this video or not, but Danny was involved in this hand uh, during Triton where uh, he got it in a, a pair of eights against a pair of jacks and there was an eight in the window and then a jack right behind it and he ended up uh, hitting quad eights uh, on the turn and there were these videos of people watching him in other countries and going bananas. So Danny, when you saw that, like, how did that make you feel? Honestly, uh, I, I, it's super cool. It, you know, I kind of appreciate it. I think that video was mainly of like people from Hong Kong, like the local guys. And although I don't know all of them, but I, I do appreciate, you know, Hong Kong's a small city, you know, and, and, but I feel like it's one of the strongest city because we're not a country, so I can't call it a country. But I would say we're the one of the strongest flag when it comes to poker in Asia. And yeah, it's pretty cool that people are watching. 
You mentioned Barcelona, Danny. Of course, it was last year's EPT Barcelona in the main event where you made a deep run. It's the first time that we ever saw you in action and you played on the feature table. You played on the stream for a couple of days. Um, The EPT Barcelona main event is still a very special one. It's always very huge with four-figure field. I mean, can you put into words what it's like to go deep in a tournament like that one? Oh, uh, it was unbelievable because uh, I actually, just before that run, I had a run in the in a WSLP main event as well where I came 31st. And wow. Yeah, it, it's pretty cool to like get back-to-back deep runs in huge events like that. And honestly, for 2018, my aim was to have deep runs in main events. I purposely, you know, like study strategies or like adapt or change my game specifically for main events because in the years before that I was actually doing pretty bad in main events. I always used to bust early in main events, although I was like winning maybe like smaller side events or like having a go at high high rollers, etc. But main events used to be my weak point and I was glad I put it I didn't win one, but I put it kind of right in 2018. What adjustments did you make to your main event strategy? Uh, mainly it's like, so in high roller or like other smaller field spots where the edge is a lot closer, um, you have to kind of take spots. You can't really give up any spots. So sometimes it could be higher variance, whereas in main events, you can just keep, you can kind of tell yourself, uh, wait, I cannot win the tournament today. Whatever stack I back today, right? This event is for five days. I can just be patient. I can just chill. There's out. There's going to be a lot of worse players still left compared to yourself. Just wait for a better spot, Danny. Play your solid game. Don't spaz out. There's all. I I I keep saying there's always a devil tapping me on the shoulder, saying, "Just forbet him. He can't call. He's full of shit. Just forbet him, <laughs> or just bluff him. Just check jam all in him. He can't call. He does have the nuts. I blocked the nuts, but no, don't do that. Don't. I mean, do it still occasionally, but make sure you pick the opponents right. Because not everyone on the, especially in the main event where the field's huge, not everyone are going to be on the same thinking level. You understand? I'm actually writing down all these notes because I'm toying with playing the main event myself, except I'm just going to change uh, don't do that, Danny, to don't do that, Stapes. Otherwise, you won't listen to the note because you'll be saying, well, this is written to someone called Danny, so why would I pay any attention to this? Exactly. (laughs) Um, I'm interested also in the experience of the World Series and EPT Barcelona back-to-back because it's an amazing achievement because you know what it takes to survive all those days and to make it to the last few tables, but also to come so painfully close to the final table and so painfully close to a win and not secure it. It must be weird mixed emotions. Oh, for sure. But I've always been a guy where I feel like I take, because of how serious I take this job, like how much I want to make it to the top. And I understand the variance of the game and I'm constantly trying to improve. So I actually, the fo- when I busted these two main events, right, my focus was actually on the hand itself instead of, oh, I got so close. You know, I understand I was, I might not even win this tournament. I, I was ready to play, do my best and bust. So I got very far already. And the only way I was going to get further in the next opportunity is by getting better. So I focus on the losing hand, which, uh, I, you know, I made a mistake uh, back then. It was only a year ago yeah. uh, where I, you know, lost with ace-eight, but that was because I lost a huge pot 
uh, with queens against King Jack all in pre for like maybe 100 big blinds at day six or like day seven of the WSOP main event. So, and then that kind of got to my head and then I just lost my last six or seven bigs with ASIC off, which I shouldn't have, you know, as a professional. But because of what happened, I have put ex- an enormous amount of time on my short stack game and my like self-discipline game. Also, my Barcelona buster where I lost to Pedro, who eventually came third or fourth, I think they chopped it. Yeah. Um, I was just trying to make sure I make the correct decision, calling turn and calling river, etc., etc., instead of dwelling on busting and getting so close to the, the, the winner, you know? Yeah. So how much are you actually traveling? How many events do you go to? And are you traveling alone or are you part of a mini crew? Uh, honestly, I could definitely travel harder than I do already. Like, you know, I think... Like the like some of the Germans like Manic they play a lot. Dom used to go to a lot of stops, but yeah, Pete Chen from Taiwan travels a lot, and I definitely could travel a lot. Although I would say I play a high volume already, but like Monte Carlo I didn't go to. Am I a part of a mini crew? Yeah, yeah. There's a mini crew of us like me. Uh, I think the the more well known guys are going to be me, Michael Soiser, and Pete Chen, and then there's a couple of other good. Very, we call ourselves. The regs of Asia. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I thought you were going to come up with yeah. like some clever name, like some kind of modern Hendon mob. Oh, no. I, well, I, mean, I did come up with that. I got added into the group. So. <laughs> we are we are the regs of Asia. I actually, uh, it was it was really cool to do commentary on a big group of Asian players and get to know some of the regs of Asia. You know, James, we experienced this um, sort of after Black Friday when you had all these American players start flooding onto the European scene and having no clue that they were good players in Europe that existed before they started coming. And I have a similar type of experience being like, oh, wow, there's a lot of really good players in Asia. I've just never heard of them before. And that doesn't mean that uh, that they're not good players. It just means that they're on a different scene. And I assume that we're going to start seeing the scenes mixed together more, more now than ever. Danny, who are some players that I should be looking out for to be sort of making uh, making names to themselves on a worldwide scene? Uh, worldwide scene? I mean, Soizer has really pretty much made his name for himself already. Um, I cannot really say for worldwide scenes, but for sure, a lot in Asia. And I feel like it's going to be soon for them to have scores in maybe Europe and America too. There, uh, I'll just I'm just gonna name two Hong Kong guys where I feel like they're really good and they could they could be climbing up the ranks very soon. And the, his name is Wing Hung, who actually recently just won a high roller in Vietnam. But obviously, no one's gonna notice this because it's in Vietnam. And then uh, Vincent Lee, who actually won the win main event during the summer last year. Uh, but he's been having on and off times mainly playing in asia so but yeah if those guys starting to the thing about playing poker in like you know take it's a huge commitment you know having to play all the tours so but i think it's time for them to move up and i think they 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 they, they'll do very well all right we'll keep an eye out for those guys i guess danny the, the the last thing i wanted to find out from you is um obviously you had a huge score uh, in the Triton event, right? You finished second in the No Limit Hold'em or third? Second. Second, yeah, for a couple of million? 
uh, 1.8 US. 1.8 US. Cool. So what's next now? Does that just get folded into your bankroll and you're now on the super high roller scene? Or are we going to see you playing uh, main events and stuff still too? I'll still, I'll, I'll be playing a lot of everything. I'm not, I'm not just going to be focusing on the high rollers. I'll, I'll still be playing, you know, other 1Ks or roughly about 1Ks or above. I'll still be playing. Um, but yeah, I'm going to try to start playing more and more high rollers. Hopefully I will be playing in the 100K at WSOP and I will be going to London's Triton event. I have one suggestion for you before we get to the to the stupid game I like to play with our guests. The one suggestion is you should find that girl and buy her a real nice pen. <laughs> a Mont Blanc, preferably. Yeah. Uh, I, I Unfortunately, we don't really speak anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I take it that you didn't give the pen back, and that's why. And maybe. It's funny, because during my exam, where I, I studied business management, and for my exam where I had to write a load of stuff, I actually wrote about poker and MMA, which is my two biggest interests right now still. And I, well, I passed it. So <laughs> Poker and MMA. Have we got, uh, have we got the deal for you? It's called, have you ever heard of uh, UFC spitting goes on poker stars? Oh, definitely. I, I was so glad UFC and poker stars are partnerships right now. And honestly, one day I, I love to attend one of these events. One day. Let's see if we can keep Danny's name in mind. Uh, if he keeps winning high rollers, I'm sure that there might be some way to hook him up with something in the future. Uh, I wish I could offer you free UFC tickets for winning my stupid game, but unfortunately, <laughs> no one wins anything. We're all just losers afterward. But That's actually a good point, you... Joe. Maybe we should have a prize for anyone who can understand the game, let alone get the questions right. This one is so, so easy. It's just, uh, it's just a bunch of Trivia with the word Tang in it. Are you ready? Okay, I'll give it and a just, go. Just remember, every answer is going to have Tang in it somewhere, like using your last name. Here we go. Question number one. This 1989 film was a buddy cop comedy starring Sylvester Stallone and Kurt Russell. Is it Tango and Cash? It Takes Two to Tango, Last Train to Tangosville, or Kiss Kiss Tang Tang? Uh, I would say number three. What was that? A trip to what? Tangoville? Last train to Tangosville. Yeah, I'll take that. Unfortunately, we're looking for number one, Tango in Cash. Tango in Cash. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Question number two. What was the name of the 2001 film written by Louis C.K. and starring Chris Rock? Was it Cornelius Tang... Big Bad Tang, Papa Tango, or Pootie Tang? I'm going to go with number three again. I don't, I don't think this game is very fair. You're asking about all these Western films, and I'm Asian, man. Ask me some Asian films. <laughs> do Asian films ever have the word Tang in the title? Uh, they do have English translations. God damn it, you're right about this. I should have done... <laughs> done. We're looking for Pootie Tang there. Unfortunately... Question three is another question about a Western film. However, this one is a worldwide box office sensation, and I think you'll be able to get this one. Question number three. In the movie John Wick, what kind of car 
does the Russian mob steal from the main character, John Wick? Is it the Toyota Tang, the Chrysler Tang and Country Mini Tang, the Ford Mustang, or the Nissan Leaf? <laughs> I'm going to have to go for the most three again, and if I'm wrong, I feel ridiculously stupid. Ford Mustang is correct. You're on the board. Boom. Hey. <laughs> okay, here we go. Now is it now is it a history question? Sales of the powdered orange drink named Tang were poor in the US in the 1960s no until kidding, because it was a powdered orange drink. Correct. The, the sales were poor until what happened? Was it that President Kennedy was seen drinking Tang on the White House lawn? Was it that Elvis Presley was photographed snorting lines of Tang in the jungle room? Was it that it became the title sponsor of the Cornelius Comedy Hour? Or was it that John Glenn drank Tang in space? Number three again. It's got to be John Glenn, right? John Glenn drank Tang in space. Really? He did indeed. I mean, powdered orange drink, you kind of don't have a choice when you're kind of orbiting the Earth in a capsule. Ah, see? That's why I'm, I'm, I'm just a poker player. I wouldn't survive if there was no poker. But Danny, I'm poker involves applying logic. All you got to do sometimes with these questions, I know it sounds counterintuitive, yeah. is just apply logic. Yeah. I'm gonna skip. I'm gonna skip uh, more Western movie questions. Here we go. This is sort of Eastern. <laughs> oh god! Uh, this was both the legal currency of Tajikistan, and also oh. is the name of a pair of briefs consisting of small panels connected by strings at the sides. Is it tangies, tangas, tangus? Or Tangela Lansbury's. This is uh, this is torture. This is just making me look <laughs> stupid. You no. <know? laughs> uh, well, what were they again? It's not number four. I can confirm it's not number four. All right, Thank four has been eliminated. Is it is it the legal currency of Tajikistan? The former legal currency of Tajikistan was it? Tangies, Tangas, Tangus, Tangu. Tangus, you've, you've chosen answer three every single time. We're looking for tangas yeah. there. Here's the good news. Last question. Last question. This fruit is a cross between a tangerine and a grapefruit, sometimes known as a pomelo. Danny, the clue is in the question. A grapefruit is sometimes known as a pomelo. Is this a tang grape? A tangelo, a pomatang, or a tangtermelon? Number three. You have to put it number three because you knew I'd pick it. <laughs> a pomatang right? is unfortunately incorrect. Oh no, no, no. Tangelo. A tangelo is a cross between a tangerine and a pomelo. Jenny oh, yeah. Tang. I yeah is right, Danny man. It's been so awesome watching you go from guy from Manchester to guy that finishes second in super high rollers. I know you got more wins in your future. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you guys, I appreciate it. But next time, only poker questions, okay? 
first time only poker questions or about about Asian movies. There we go. There we go. Congratulations to the bride and bridegroom, Mr. and Mrs. Daniel Negrano. Joe, yeah. you got to attend the poker wedding of the century. Yeah, I don't even know if it if the it's in contention for poker event of the century. I mean, it was up there. Other than something like Tiger Jam, where you know everybody is there, this was this was basically poker prom. Um, it was. It felt very much like prom. I don't know if it was the season. Everyone was dressed up. Everyone had dates. It was uh, it was it was wonderful. Let me get that out of the way, right? It was awesome. It was fun. You know that I've known Daniel for a long time. I've known Amanda for a long time. I was there for most of their early relationship. Um, it was kind of interesting that I connected through Vienna on my way home because that was the first spot where Daniel had a crush on Amanda. And was like, I want to fly you out to Europe to come hang out with me. And she was like, well, you better fly out me and Stapes then. And Daniel flew us to Vienna. Uh, so it was very interesting on my way back from uh, to get to their wedding that I stopped in Vienna. Um, so the wedding was fantastic, fun, amazing, beautiful location. It, for me, it was, just, it was a little too much like work. Because everyone from poker was there, because Maury Escondani was there, Matt Savage was there, Phil Helmuth, Antonio, David Williams, um, lots of people that I hadn't seen who sort of left the poker industry. It really was kind of this time capsule where uh, there was a bunch of people that I remember were such a huge part of my life from this era, people that used to work for the WPT when I was sort of more on the WPT scene uh, before the EPT scene. And there was just tons and tons of people that I hadn't seen in many years. So a lot of it was like catching up with people I hadn't seen in a long time. And but you that's know, not work. That's any wedding. Right. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I don't I didn't mean to mean like poker work. I just meant like it was you're right, it is any wedding. And uh, I'm the kind of person where I really wanted to celebrate with Daniel and Amanda because this is a big deal for me for him. You know, this is his one that got away. This is the girl that never um he never got over her for years and years he would reference her in interviews and finally you know and now they're they're together and married and it, you know it's the potential to be a, a really lovely and amazing story so i really wanted to celebrate with them but obviously it's their wedding and they have to divide their attention lots of different places so i mostly left them alone and sort of always the other thing was this i got off a plane that afternoon yeah, my flight landed at 1 p.m. By 4 p.m., I was at the hotel bar catching up with people. I will say that um, the vegan menu was met with mixed reactions. Okay. Um, luckily, at that point of the night, I had been like drinking and socializing that much that I didn't. I wasn't super hungry anyway. <laughs> um, so I was able to just have someone be like, "Yeah, it's good." Um, 
But one cool thing that happened was Daniel. Do you remember old school James? Vaguely. You remember how they uh, they're singing at the wedding and the band's like every now and then I fucking fall apart. Yes. Yes. That's called the Dan Band, and Daniel hired the Dan Band to play the wedding. So there was like a interlude of of uh, of novelty Dan Band songs in between the regular dancing and stuff. But it really was just um, just a crazy who's who. Of, of, like Jennifer Tilly was there, Jason Somerville was there, um, and I guess the one funny thing about. Uh, about the Jason thing, like the one story I'll tell is that my girlfriend is small. She's a small girl and she gets, uh, she gets drunk faster than most normal people because she's like half the size of most normal people. So I ran into Jason outside and we were talking about running up Reno and ways that they can make it better. And it was a semi serious conversation, which I shouldn't have been having after 12 drinks and, uh, you know, 22 hours of travel. But my girlfriend comes up, and she's like, I'm like, hey, Raquel, this is Jason. You met him in Reno. You were there for one night. He's the guy you know, that sends me to Reno. And she's like, oh, yeah, I love Reno. What I love about Reno is like how shitty it is, but how everyone tries to make it like seem nice. And I really appreciate that. And, and I'm like, uh-huh. And then she's like, yeah. She's like, and the pepper mill. The pepper mill is like, yeah, like it's really – it's like putting really nice – nice bread on like a shit sandwich and i was like oh my goodness hey so maybe you should uh go find some of our friends and and jason took it in stride like she's just trying to be funny i don't think she understood what kind of relationship jason has with the city of reno and the peppermill casino but uh it was shortly after that that i left pretty early uh by pretty early i want to say by like 1130 or midnight I just had enough um, but that appears to be if you guys saw the social media that appears to be when the real fun happened all the dancing all those videos you saw of Jeff Platt and Hellmuth and everyone dancing so I do feel bad I missed out on that stuff but fortunately unfortunately I had to leave before my girlfriend could destroy any more of my business relationships I mean this sounds like the classic wedding and just going back to what you were saying Joe about wanting to be there for the couple but the reality is so does everyone else and you're yeah. at a wedding with hundreds of guests and inevitably not everyone's going to get time to you know other than to say a few words to the couple you're going to be spending most of your time talking to other people some of whom will have had more drinks than others <laughs> exactly and I, uh, I, I think all of the people at this wedding had more drinks than others but in summary and here I am trying to get the gossip joe no real scandals no car crashes no incidents that didn't make their way onto social media i don't think so i got one phone call from jeff madsen at like 2 30 in the morning <laughs> which yeah which i checked on the next day um and uh, do you remember court harrington yeah vaguely court was there and he asked me he texted me to see if i wanted to go for a surf lesson at 9 30 in the morning and i was like you don't you don't know me at all, do you? Uh, it was great. It was great catching up with everybody. Beautiful wedding. I'm going to Vegas on Monday for the week, and I'm hoping to spend some time with Daniel and Amanda there and get the real debrief from them. So anything that uh, I missed out on because I was drunk and or went to bed, I should be finding out shortly. And if there's anything good, I will try to share it here. Joe will report back. Right now, it is super fan time. One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. 
The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan versus Stapes. Well, this week we are going stateside as we say hello to Noah Asher. Greetings, Noah. Hello, guys. How are you all doing today? What's up, my dude? James started singing the uh, the Brimful of Asher song, so I'm not going to do it. But uh, just so you know, my first question was going to be, are you 45? Uh, I am not. Subtract 20 years and we're spot on. Wow. Okay. So how do we get you in America? Well, I found your podcast while I was searching for podcasts to listen to while I played. And I figured I found you guys and knew you guys from the WPT and EPT coverage and uh, decided that I would become a listener. And where and when are you playing poker? So I actually, well, in, I live in Florida. Florida has legal oh, poker. Oh, yeah. So I either go to one of the poker rooms in the area or actually have a club that I play with around here. While we're on the subject of poker in Florida, I saw on social media a photograph of the Guitar Tower at the Seminole oh, yeah. Hard Rock, and it uh, looks ridiculously yeah. awesome. It is. It's pretty incredible. It is. It's something else. Uh, it's one of those things you, you kind of just got to see it for yourself in person. James, are we supposed to be working there again? Because it seems weird for you to call something ridiculously awesome that we're not working at. Um, I hope I get an invitation to go back there soon. I have a lot of fun <laughs> okay, memories. I think it's awesome too then, guys. I have a lot of fun memories of visiting that resort. I know you've been back since, Joe. Is that one of the places where you find yourself playing, Noah? Uh, I have not been over there to play. Uh, I usually find myself up near Daytona Beach or uh, over in... In the area around me, I live in the Orlando area. We don't really have a lot of uh, poker rooms around here, but I play a lot with my little club teams nice. out here. And what do you do when you're not playing poker? I am a project manager for a tech company. I think project manager for a tech company is the number two occupation of superfans after anything involving IT. <laughs> that sounds pretty. That sounds pretty spot on. Can you tell us anything about any of the projects? Has any of them been fun? Well, yeah. So my company, we build phone applications for conferences. So I did some work with uh, minor league baseball and some other very cool organizations here in the United States. I'm actually working with the Special Olympics right now. So when they show up to their conference, you're like, download the app we created. It'll show you when all your meetings are and where to get the best free donuts. Spot on. Mostly donuts. That's awesome. Mm, donuts i'll tell you what else is awesome and that is your choice of superfan subject noah i love you man and just scrolling through patrick's questions just now reminded me how much i want to see this movie again i think i've seen it two or three times and i don't normally revisit these kind of comedies but this really? one is so funny it's so good i need to see it again it is legitimately my favorite comedy of all time so i'm very excited to go over it today so this is an interesting one because when I saw this movie, I actually really liked it. But during the movie, there were at least four or five instances where punchlines and or bits from the movie were jokes that I would regularly do amongst my group of friends <laughs> to the point where my friends were like, do you know the person who wrote this? Because they definitely ripped off a bunch of your material. So I sat there enjoying it, but also like angry, like what the fuck? How did they know? Like sticking the arm out the car window to play the bass? Like that was something I used to do all the time. 
so anyway, well, we I, I loved it. Credit. Exactly. I loved it, but I was also like, man, what the fuck? I'm so stupid for not writing my own comedies. <laughs> now, I have checked all 10 questions. and There is no reference in the quiz to the poker scene, which is good because it means we can talk about the poker scene, which is a wonderful exaggeration of, of something yes. we've all been through, where some klutz who has no idea what he's doing manages to win his first time playing the game. What are you doing in staying with a seven dude suited on a rainbow rag flop? I'm sorry. I didn't know it was a rainbow. <laughs> oh my god i don't even remember that followed by the amazing chunder scene yes uh and, and i guess i should go back and rewatch this too uh well if you don't remember that joe i fear for you in this quiz because as you know patrick has a very keen eye for detail uh the usual oh. rules apply two points if you don't need the options one point if you take the choices noah you get to go first please give me a number between one and ten okay well like you are uh, wonderful podcast guest last week. I know. It's always coming sevens. Okay, and this is a gimme. You should be able to get this one without the choices. Whose house is Peter trying to sell throughout the film? Lou Ferrigno. Correct, for two points. <laughs> I would not have gotten that. What? Joe, what number would you I like? I literally haven't seen it since the theater, but... Okay, go on. Why don't you try uh, number, number five? Num number nine, please. I, I tried. I tried to help you. Oh, there. sorry, sorry. Number five. Sorry, I was. T I, I, you broke up for a second. Can, can I please have number five? Yes, you can, Joe. What is Sydney and Peter's favorite band? Uh, Rush. Correct. That was the other gimme. Okay, two points Ooh. each. I got worried. Uh, any question other than seven or five? Uh, six. Which actor plays Denise's husband, Barry? Oh, uh, J.K. Simmons. Oh, wait, Denise's husband. No, sorry, sorry, sorry. Joe, you can steal. I'll, I'll take the choices just to be fair. Is it Andy Samberg, Paul Rudd, J.K. Simmons, or John Favreau? John Favreau. It is for one point. Careful, Noah, if yes, you snap I answer. Know. I give Joe some leverage, but you're the super fan, and you know this movie back to front. Uh, Joe, it is your question, and somehow you have a 3-2 lead. Uh, <laughs> it won't last for long. Question number one. Who is the person that Peter fences twice in the film? I will take the choices, please. Is it Tevin, Eugene, Gil, or Doug? Tevin. It is not. It is Gil. So, Gilliam. here's a chance for you to retake the lead, Noah. Two, three, four, eight, nine, or ten. Three. What was the first nickname that Peter embarrassingly gave to Sydney? Jobin. Correct, for two points. <laughs> I was expecting you to put your hand in the air, Joe, and say, that's one of my jokes. Uh, <laughs> where would you like to go next on the board? Uh, question two is still available, right? It is. What is Peter's last name? I'll uh, need the choices. Is it Claven, Raven, Traven, or Blaven? Uh, Clavin. Correct, for one point. So we have a tied game going into the penultimate nice. round. Four points apiece. Uh, four, eight, nine, or ten, Noah? Ten. Question number ten. Who hits a golf ball at Sydney's shin during golf? Um, oh, oh, her name, uh... You can take the choices. Choices. Peter? Zoe, Haley, or Sydney himself? 
Haley. It is Haley for one point. Joe, you're only one point behind. Please give me a question. All right. Can I please have number eight? You can. Peter had a hard time making friends as a child because his dad moved around a lot. Which company did his dad work for? Choices, please. Was it IBM, Apple, Microsoft, or the Stars Group? IBM. It was IBM for one point, and it is still a tied game as we go into the final round. Choose carefully, Noah. Nine or four? Four or nine? Four. Which film did Peter say he watched on the best night of his life? Shakala. It's a delight. Two points to <laughs> Noah. Which means you get question nine, Joe. What does Sydney call people that look like their dogs? Uh, I'll take the choices. Canines, figs, coopers, or bowsers? Bowsers. Correct for one point, which means by a margin of one point, but it doesn't really matter. You are the victor Ooh. in this week's edition of Superfan versus Stapes. Noah, congrats. Uh, sadly, being in the state of Florida, we cannot give you an EPT uh, satellite no. ticket, but we can send you some PokerStars merch in the post. So expect a package soon. Awesome. Thank you both so much. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Nice work, Noah. All right. Thanks. Bye, y'all. All right, my babies, we're almost out of time. Next time, as I mentioned, I am going to Vegas. Uh, let's see. Monday, I'm supposed to catch up with Daniel. Tuesday, we've got the Gavin Smith Memorial Charity Tournament. Hopefully, we get some fun stories from there. Wednesday, we're doing a Gavin Smith Memorial Comedy Night. Uh, still a potential to add a big name or two to that list. Fingers crossed. If not, I'll be headlining. Sorry, everyone. Thursday, we've got Maria Ho's Final Table at the Luxor, and then Friday, I am playing the Big Fofty. Now, of course, I will only be able to talk about those first couple of things on the next show since we do record on Wednesdays. It is a big week coming up. However, also, Scoop will have happened. Will it be over? It will be in the books. The main event, I think, concludes on Monday the 27th. So by Tuesday the 28th, we'll have all the facts and figures, all the headlines, and I think we should probably try and get a Scoop-related guest for next week's show. Sure. Um, well, I can think of a couple right now. I'll pitch them to you off the air and we'll see what we come up with. And obviously, we've still got a week of scoop left to go. So uh, hopefully we can catch up with one of those people. In the meantime, subscribe, like, comment. We have gotten some ideas for guests that you guys have sent us using the hashtag poker in the ears. I'll be discussing those with James as soon as the show is over as well. Until then, for James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. <laughs>